Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Robin Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 Geek Vibes Nation, to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. This episode, we will be breaking down the Umbrella Academy. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, wow, didn't it just come out Friday? Yes. <laughs> We were very, very quick in our uh, in our watching of the Umbrella Academy <laughs> because once you start it, it's not something you go, oh no, no no I'll come back to it you know in a few days and watch the rest of it. No, it makes you cling to the next episode. So it was a very fun binge. Uh, I binged this with a level of excitement that I haven't had since Daredevil season three, to where I'm just like, I don't think I can move let alone, like, pause it or stop it. I got to just sit here. Whatever happens to me happens to me, but I'm watching this whole thing through. Um, But before we get into breaking down the show, I believe I need to introduce who is on the show with me. I am your host, Jawan, but that should be obvious. Um, I am joined (laughs) by two amazing co-hosts, starting with Kelly. What's going on, Kelly? What's going on? What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. And we are joined by Tia. What's going on, Tia? How are you guys doing? Um, just as you started to introduce me, suddenly my dog and one of my cats started going at it. And I'm like, come on, guys, we're doing the Umbrella Academy review. It's time to get professional, dog. <laughs> um, all right, so let's, let's get right into it. I kind of want to start off with, because um, I want to make sure we do an extensive breakdown, because there's just so much to talk about. Um, first, I want to say, before we get into kind of what our likes were about the show, excuse me, the only reason I was able to even remotely keep up with the idea of time travel, the effects of time travel and stuff like that is because of The Flash. So I want to thank the show The Flash, because without that, Time travel to me is the most confusing aspect of anything fantasy-wise I've ever seen in my entire life. Because um, it's just like it, it, it opens itself up to just do anything um, when you go through the idea of time travel. Like you could watch your favorite character die and then, boom, Barry runs back in time and saves them. So it's like, well, then what was the point of that? So time travel sometimes is confusing. This show was a little confusing, but it did manage to keep even the slowest of brains like myself kind of caught up (laughs) a little bit. Um, So without further ado, Kelly, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts um, and some of your likes of season one of The Umbrella Academy? Well, first, I just want to say don't ever watch 12 Monkeys if time travel confuses you because it's just that will send you in a – loop of depression when you try to keep up with what's going on there but um I really liked the show surprisingly I um you know upon hearing about the release I have to say I didn't have any interest in watching it I thought it was going to be more of a teeny type of drama 
Um, but then I started seeing some reviews coming out and people were raving about it. So I decided to give it a chance. And like you said, Juan, I binged it in a day. I mean, I thought it was a great plot line. I mean, how could you not like people who need to save the world that's about to be annihilated, but they throw in like a sick soundtrack, some awesome dance moves, time traveling, and hey, a talking chimpanzee. I mean, you can't really go wrong with that. So I have to say it was a, it was really entertaining, and we'll dive into the details, but my overall thoughts was uh, it was a really entertaining show. I mean, one of, the only thing that had me, like, gasp was, damn, to think about going into, like, full-term labor without a few hours when you were never pregnant, like, talk about a bad day. <laughs> I can't imagine what those <laughs> 47 women went through for that. But, um, yeah, very entertaining show. Yeah, I, I will say this. I, I watched a trailer when Joel shared it to the page uh, maybe a month or two ago, um, and I was kind of just like, you know, <clears throat> when I get a chance, I'll definitely watch this, but I wasn't necessarily rushing uh, to watch it. And then I saw a few days ago, like, oh, it, it's out. I forgot that it was coming out. Uh, the first episode, I was just like, okay, all right, it's a little weird, but I'm like, I'll give it a chance because, like we were saying during the pre-show, I thought Doom Patrol was weird, but in a good way. Um, I thought the new show on sci-fi called Deadly Class was weird, but in a good way. So I'm like, if I could stick it out for those and then fall in love with them, let me try it for this. And I was pleasantly surprised on how quickly I fell in love with this show and all of the characters. But, yes, Kelly, great point. The idea of being in a swimming team, swimming, you see, uh, you know, a cute boy that you like, you give him a kiss, you jump in the water – then all of a sudden you don't come up, and it's like, what just happened to her? And then you pop up and you're pregnant. It's just like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> like, what just happened? This is insane. Um, so, I mean, the idea of that is just it, it's completely crazy. But we're going to break down um, not necessarily every episode, uh, but the key points of, of most of the episodes. Um, so that's a great starting point for me to pass it over to you, Tia. Um, your thoughts on or, or some of the, the things that you liked of, of season one of the Umbrella Academy and how weird would it be if you're at work sitting at a cubicle and you're typing and then you look down and you're pregnant all of a sudden, but not just pregnant. You're now about to give birth. Like, it's not like, oh, you have time to like kind of figure out what's going on. It's like, boom, you have it. And then boom, you're about to give birth. How weird would that be? <laughs> I got well, you. First of all, I was just going to say, Kelly and I work together, so I would be screaming for her, get your ass over here. What the hell is going on with me? Um, yeah, I did not see that at all. I definitely want to echo uh, Kelly's point and your point, Juan, that when the, whatchamacallit, when the, the previews and stuff came for this movie, I really wasn't that interested. It did look a little... I don't want to say teeny bopper, but a little for a, a younger crowd than what I am. But on Friday, I watched Doom Patrol, which, by the way, is an amazing show. I'm completely addicted, need more episodes now. And I was kind of still in that mode of wanting to watch just a band of misfits trying to save the world. And turned on, and Kelly, of course, texted me and said, 
you should watch this. This is my Netflix recommendation. And binged it all yesterday. It was just a fun show. It was completely weird, but in a good way. I love the fact that there's just these weird people. And they're, what I love about it is they keep saying family, right? You got to look at them, right? They, it is a diverse cast, and they are family. They look out for each other, their brothers and their sisters. And I really like that no matter how much there could be going wrong or they're having problems or having disagreements, they don't see eye to eye. In the end, they all realize, like, we have to stick together because in the end, just because we were adopted by this kind of cynical old man and our uh, entrance into this world is kind of questionable. We did grow up with each other. We're a family. And I really like that. And just the freaking soundtrack alone was so good. We were talking about this in the pre-show that the, the, the soundtrack really affects the context of what you're watching. And I completely think that they just killed it with this soundtrack. Um, there are a few moments where I feel like maybe the music was a little like, oh, okay, that's where we're going. We're going into some musical number right now, especially in the first episode. But then you quickly just appreciate it and enjoy whatever situation that you are thrown into. It really was enjoyable. There were moments that I was laughing. There were moments where I was completely invested. And I have to admit, because I'm a big crybaby when it comes to movies and TV shows, there were definitely moments where I teared up and my boyfriend was looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand what just happened. Something happened. Or I would throw my phone away because, and we'll talk about later, that one big thing that happened towards the end of the season. So overall thoughts on the Umbrella Academy are, I can't wait for season two. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to be completely honest with you. There were moments I definitely cheered up um, also. I mean, anytime you see uh, – it's funny because two things always come – well, not always, but came to mind as I watched the entirety of season one is anytime I look at some, you know, really crazy or um, something really insane and they're, like, of the age between, like, five and maybe 12 or 13, like, everyone always is really quick to go, like, that's a really bad kid. And I always stress, like, it starts at home. Like, it starts, like, you have no idea what that kid deals with at home. Um, So, I mean, a lot of what they deal with can kind of bleed out into the real world. Like, it doesn't just stay at home. So you kind of watch some of these characters, and you see how their home life uh, completely uh, shapes how they became who they were as they grew up. Uh, I mean, they didn't have the most, loving father, um, they had someone who was more interested in making them heroes than being, like, an actual dad. So it's one of those things where it's like you look at a character like Vanya, played by Ellen Page, who did an amazing job, uh, amazing job. Excuse me. Um, I was just really taken by that character, mainly because it reminded me of exactly what they're doing with Jean Grey in X-Men Dark Phoenix. Like, her character is almost identical in the sense of um, I've tried to – you had Professor Xavier who, I believe in the comics, tried to mask uh, her power. Like, she didn't even know she had access to that level of power. 
Um, and he always tried to keep it that way. Uh, so she never knew that she could do the things that she could do once she became the Phoenix. So you look at Vanya and you see her being not only shunned by, you know, her father, but the entire, her siblings also. Um, and you look at it and you kind of just go, once she's able to figure out what she can do, it's going to be really bad. Um, not to get too far ahead, but we kind of see that manifest. Um, just my overall feeling of, of the first season was just, excuse me, this is the weirdest, funniest, craziest, deadliest family I have ever seen. Um, <laughs> and it was so entertaining to watch because one thing the show did that's very difficult to do is when you have so many movable parts, um, it's really difficult to care about those moving parts. Uh, it reminded me of, I don't know if you two have seen the movie Smoke and Aces, but the director did a really good job of having 30 different movable pieces, but you felt something for each of those pieces, whether it was, oh, he deserves to die, or, oh, my God, I can't believe she's going through that. Everyone had a point where you felt something. Um, and you were invested in that sense. And this was the same thing. Like, you look at all these characters. I mean, even Cha-Cha and, and, and the other guy, I'm trying to figure out his name now. Hey, because my memory. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I even felt for those two characters. So it's like. I was so invested in them. So invested. Exactly. <laughs> so anytime you're able to do that and it work, I'm just, I, I have to clap for you because it's not an easy thing to do. So I want to go into now, kind of walk through the, the first episode, and then I kind of want to ask you guys a question about the ending of it. Um, we kind of just see all the siblings kind of get the message of their father has passed away. Um, obviously, they, they haven't spoken. Everyone has different things. You see Luther is still at home. Diego is, I guess, in, in a sense, their form of Batman. Um, you have Allison, who is an actress, uh, and you have Klaus, who is possibly the highest functioning drug addict I've ever seen. Um, like it was just, it was to, to the points where I'm like, do they even affect him anymore? Um, so, you know, you see all these, these group of characters kind of come together doing their own thing. Um, then they're brought back together through the death of their father. Uh, then it kind of lands you to where, Excuse me. Um, Pogo, a character I think they could have done a lot more with, but we'll get to that. Um, it was good to see Pogo along with the robot that they called Mom. Uh, I thought that was really interesting, um, mainly because it's like all of their actual moms are no longer in the picture because, like, they just randomly got pregnant and this weird guy came and was like, I want to buy your baby. Um, so none of them had an actual mom. So to, to have a figure of a mother there was, was pretty cool. Um, but we kind of get through the episode. They're kind of figuring out, like, you know, was it a murder? How did he die? Um, the biggest thing I want to ask you guys, and if you want to touch on anything else on the first episode, by all means, go ahead. See, I'm going to start with you. What were your thoughts when – the episode was starting to end, and then a portal <laughs> opened, and we finally see, excuse me, we finally see, um, I'm trying to find his name, number five, I believe it was. Um, yeah. Yes, we finally see number five. 
what were your thoughts on the ending of that? And then, again, if you want to bring up anything else that happened in Episode 1, floor is yours. Um, first of all, can we mention that as soon as the portal opens up, um, shoot, frick, what does it, Klaus decides to throw a uh, fire extinguisher through it. Like, <laughs> so random. And he's so, like, not even, like, apologetic when people are like, what the hell? He doesn't try and make up some, like, bullshit. He's like, I don't know. You got a better idea? Just decide to throw something into it. Um, so when he came back, and first of all, my main thing is that normally when situations like this happen, they have to have the long emotional reunion because you literally haven't seen this guy in so long and he's a uh, a young kid and they have this existential crisis. I love how five, which is like, yeah, okay, this shit happened. You guys good? All right. And like walks away and they're all sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? So I thought that was hilarious. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know what to expect when that portal happened. I guess obviously it had to do something with what the plot was of the show. So I think at that point it's a little too early to kind of tell. But the thing I wanted to touch on was I didn't realize at first that the and her name was Grace that she was a robot who their mom was. Um, and I almost thought in a way like. Isn't that kind of nice, I guess, that the old guy decided that they needed at least a mom figure in some sort of sense? Um, And we know, then learning on later on, he's a very complicated person because, yes, he did abuse uh, them mentally, physically, and he was certainly not winning any Father of the Year awards, but still kind of had the mindset that the children should have a maternal figure in their lives and they really and Diego really saw this robot as his mother and I think so did Allison in a way and that those are the kind of little things that I was looking at and also I, I wish they would have explained why there's a talking chimp in the mix I was talking about this with Kelly and she's like well you know it's the Umbrella Academy, everything's weird. He made the mom, he made the monkey, but it's like, but why the monkey? Why is there... So that was like my one thing that still never went answered in the show, and I don't know why I'm like focusing so much on it. I just wish they would have explained that a little more. Well, anytime anytime you deal with a show that has time travel, it gives you the ability to right any wrong that you might have um, possibly had in, you know, the the first season. So I think Pogo's story is far from over. I think he will be back. Um, I honestly think in the second season we're going to see them go back far enough to um, prevent their father from dying, let him know what's, what's coming, and him and Pogo help stop whatever's coming. Um, one thing I love that this show kind of was hitting hard on is, again, to bring it back to the show Flash, is that no matter what you do, um, time has a way of making sure what is supposed to happen, happens. Whatever avenue you go down, like, you can stop it, but then something else happens. Um, And we saw examples of that, and I think they're going to have to face the ramifications of time travel, because there are consequences. Um, Things are supposed to happen. 
Um, I could even see uh, what's his name, Diego. Uh, I could see Diego trying to even possibly, you know, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but trying to bring someone back and then losing that person all over again because time always corrects itself. Um, but yeah, I, like like I said, I, I think because you don't bring in a character like Pogo um, that was voiced by Adam Godley, um, who seemed like he meant more to the story, but they just didn't touch on it yet. Um, because it's hard to believe anyone that you saw come and go won't just be back through time travel. So that's what I'm going to kind of lean on. Uh, I'm going to say instead of Tia that they made a mistake by not further explaining Pogo's existence, I'll say it was more so on it was part of the plan because you would get a backstory. Um, So I'll give them the benefit of that doubt, but I do agree with you. It's kind of like, all right, he just seems like he's there. And then at, like, the weirdest point, he was kind of just like, yep, I knew that secret. Yep, knew that secret, too. And it was kind of just like, it was like, dude, all right, well, like, yeah, it's like, well, at some point, like, couldn't you have just told me this? Save, like, I don't know, a little bit of the heartache I was going through. Um, So, yeah, so his character was kind of just like, as the story kind of went on, you're kind of like, he just kind of seems like it has no actual purpose. (laughs) Like, I thought maybe it was, you know, he was going to do something cool, like fighting-wise or something, but, you know, it, it didn't form out that way. Um, but I will say to the point that you also made of <clears throat> the father not being, um, you know, the traditional, the idea of a traditional dad, you know, the, the loving, the caring. I'll say I compared him mostly to Stark's father, to where Stark just didn't have the best relationship with his dad and kind of always resented him for it. So Iron Man too. So he figured out his father had a he had a bigger he was planning something bigger than just the two of them. So um, he was trying to bring change. Um, and once Stark found that out, he had a better appreciation for his dad. Going through the old archives, seeing videos of his dad, um, it kind of reminded me of that. To where it's kind of just like anytime you have a dad who's trying to do, you know strive for the greater good of humanity, not just of you two, of humanity. Um, he then, his kind of sacrifice is being a dad. Like, you sacrifice that. Um, so I kind of felt like maybe that was what was kind of leaning towards kind of the the brushing off that he was doing. And then, like you said, creating someone to be that figure for them because he couldn't. Um, but let's not rule out that he was just like a really horrible person. Um, but, but, um, Kelly, I want to go to you. Um, what are some of the things that kind of stood out to you in episode one and then kind of your thoughts when you saw number five. So by the way, before I pass to you, can I just say the idea of the numbers brought me back to kids next door, which was one of the greatest cartoons of my childhood. Um, so bad because I, I I kept picturing these characters as the kids next door. I don't know if you guys ever oh, saw really? that cartoon. Um, yeah, I but saw they it. Call- Oh, you saw it? It kept reminding me of that every time they kept saying their numbers. And I'm just like, give number five a name because he's killing me with you just calling him number five. Um, but I'm sorry, Kelly. I didn't mean to derail this. <laughs> uh, what do you in episode one? And then kind of what were your thoughts seeing number five pop through that portal? at the end of the episode. Right. So um, you guys brought up so many things. My brain is like muddled with a thousand things I want to say. 
But I feel like, okay, so let's go back to the fact that he's a reclusive and completely eccentric billionaire that's taking on these kids. And I think there's going to be a lot more to his backstory as well, because I believe from what I got, and we can talk about it later, he was the catalyst that uh, prompted those women going into labor. Um, I don't understand the means, but he obviously was very experimental. We saw a very Frankenstein-esque scene, um, which was obviously he used stuff to make um, Pogo. And I think that he was stuck in this experimentation phase, trying to find ways to better the world and, um, if he knew then that the catastrophe that was supposed to come to the future um, and trying to find ways to combat that. So I think like, even though he treated them almost as property, like, you know, very strict and rigid training and giving them numbers as names, I, I think he was so focused on his end goal that he lacked putting the human factor into it. Um, but I think there's, there's going to be more to come on his story because they really didn't go into his background. And again, with Pogo too. Um, so I, I'm hoping to see that in the second season. Um, but one thing I got from the show was it was very, uh, and I, I was talking to Tia about this earlier, um, the haunting of house Hill S I got super vibes from that with the family drama, them all coming back and then kind of diving into the background of each of their stories and how that played out. And it even mirrored on the same line with Vanya putting out that book and everyone being pissed at her for doing so. Um, So I think um, for me, it was that family drama and understanding um, the correlations between everything, what went wrong, um, you know, what their relationships were like on a deeper level, almost even overshadowed the superhuman elements of the show. Those were almost like second additives for me when I was watching it. Um, But to get to your question about um, number five, uh, who I love, Aiden Gallagher did a great job. Um, So he, you know, got stuck in this post-apocalyptic future, um, lived to an old age, traveled back into a teenage form um, after witnessing this apocalypse. And his return was beautifully done. Um, I think he perfectly balanced that otherworldly, what I've seen that none of you have seen um, and placed it into his character to the point that you were convinced that this 15 year old really is some <laughs> grumpy old man uh, stuck in a kid's body. And uh, there was a, an element of lunacy to that. And, uh, you know, him adopting, and I forget the, the mannequin's name, that he forged a friendship with in the future and came back to find in the present. And uh, I just thought, yeah, I just thought how he played the character was so believable. Like, I really thought, I didn't see him as a 15-year-old. I saw him as an older man in this body. And I thought he had some just great lines throughout the show, really entertaining to watch. And when the portal opened up, I, I didn't know what to expect, but I knew it would be the setup for the rest of the season. So it was like an exciting moment. And I thought it was hilarious when um, 
they threw the uh, fire extinguisher into it. I feel like that would be my reaction. Like, well, what are we, what else are we going to do in this situation? Let me just throw shit at it. Something bad might be coming out of there. Um, but yeah, really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It, it definitely set the tone for what uh, this season was going to be uh, more so than, than what I thought. Um there were multiple points of the story where I had no idea, like, who the bad guy was. Um, and Joel kind of was telling me how he kind of felt like he knew who the bad guy was going to be. And I told him, I said, I thought it was going to be who it seemed like they were making it. Um, and then they completely went left. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold on. I got to rewind it. Like, did I miss something? Like, where, where is this coming from? Um but, yeah, it, the first episode was great. Um, I, I love the introduction of the characters. We were laughing in, in, in the uh, pre-show about how weird it was that they were just dancing uh, not long after finding out their dad was was dead and possibly murdered. Uh, it was just really weird. Um, but a lot of this show is weird, but like we've stated numerous times, in a very good way. Um, but let's move on. I kind of want to know, I kind of want to dig deeper into the characters. Um, I feel like if we do a deep dive into the episodes, we won't have enough time to dig deep into the characters. And I think that's a very important part of this show because they did such a great job with these characters. Um, Kelly, I'm going to go back to you. Kind of walk me through who your favorite character was and who your least favorite character was um, out of season one. Oops, sorry, I was on mute. I'm going to go with uh, Klaus was my favorite character. Um, I thought it was awesome he could communicate with the dead, but just in general, some of his one-liners. And like you said before, like the most functioning drug addicts I've ever seen. But I think he injected a lot of humor into scenes that would otherwise be a lot more heavy and dark. Um, and the fact that the development he went through and not the obvious path that you typically see in shows for him to come to um, a a higher version of himself, his ability to, um, you know, bring his powers to full force or see a side of his powers that he didn't even know he was capable of. Um, So he was definitely my favorite character. Uh, My least favorite character, I'm, I'm toying with this one, but, Oh, I don't know. I feel like maybe Allison only because her struggle back and forth to try to learn like from her past mistakes um, obviously is very redeemable. She's pretty much the only character out of everyone who was trying to learn from their past mistakes. But I just felt like she kept going back and forth so much and she couldn't she just never got to a settled point or like chose a path. Like I'm either going to do this or do that. And I don't know. I just found her to be the least favorite of all the characters that I enjoyed watching. No, I I completely understand you because I felt that way, believe it or not, excuse me for, uh, for Luther. I thought Luther was a captain America type. Um, that was kind of too goody-goody uh, to the sense of 
it, he couldn't kind of get over himself. Like he kept getting in his own way in a sense of everything, everything had to be a mission. Um, and the reason why I compared him to Cap was very early on, we saw Cap needed a mission. He needed a reason, uh, you know, to still be alive because he felt as though if he wasn't serving, he didn't have anything else to offer. Um, that's why it would be so heartfelt in game instead of him dying, he kind of just walks away or stays maybe in the past with, with, uh, with Peggy because it's like finally he'll be at peace. He'll feel as though he's done his job. Uh, and I feel as though Luther was of that same cloth to where if it wasn't a mission, if it wasn't something to investigate, something to solve, he didn't really know what else to do. Um, and I kind of felt like that struggle lasted too long to where it was like, dude, you now know what the mission is, so now you need to step up and be the leader that you want to be. You're number one. Like, you were number one. Um, so it's just like I kind of felt like he, he's, he's stuck. he was stuck on that. And by the time he kind of really realized it, it was already the end of the season. Um, and that really bothered me. Uh, with his character, because I kind of just was like, should be able to to realize this a lot sooner. Um, that was my least favorite, and I'd say my favorite had to be number five. Um, I just loved everything about that kid. Really good actor, by the way. Let me throw that out there. Possibly the coolest kid, uh, besides Asa Buford, that I've ever seen like act. Um, he just seemed so natural, so comfortable with the role. Um, it was hilarious. Uh, that scene in the bowling alley where the lady's like, you know, how would you guys feel about your son playing with my son? Like, you know, they're around the same age. And then, what do you say? I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, I'd rather eat a shoe. And I was just like, that is so spot on. He's like, I don't want to play with your son. Like, get away from me. Um, I loved it. I loved it. Um, I also loved the idea of, uh, his powers, being able to teleport through uh, throughout pockets of, of space and time. Um, and it's just the, the bond he had with the mannequin. Um, and then the idea of him knowing what he needed to do, but then what he had to do constantly changed. So being able to adapt to that with everything he's gone through, uh, to be level-headed enough to figure out that you need to come together to secure, uh, you know, your goal. I just, I, I really loved him. It was tough for me to pick him because I really, really, really wanted to go with, um, completely forgot her name. I don't know why I'm so horrible with names. Um, <laughs> Vanya. Vanya I wanted to go with so desperately because I feel like one role Ellen Page plays just like tailor-made is de- like being depressed. Um, like, I can't remember that many movies of Ellen's that she's not kind of somewhat usually depressed. Um, it's like her pocket. <laughs> like, that's just her pocket. Um, but I, I love the the complete 360 her character took. Um, like, I'm not one of those people that are going to lie and say, like, oh, I knew at the beginning, like, it would turn out she had powers. I had no idea. Um, I yeah. thought she was going to be, like, this master strategist. Because um, if you look at the photo the official photo that they released of the show, you see her with a book in her hand. So I was just like, maybe she's just like this ultimate strategist, kind of like the the person who sets things in motion, who comes up with the plans and stuff. Um, And then they went completely away from that uh, preconceived notion 
And they're like, no, 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 no. She has a huge purpose. Um, so I, I wasn't expecting that. So it was hard for me not to pick her. But number five is just so freaking cool. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't help but pick him. Uh, but, Tia, I'm going to go to you. Who is your favorite uh, character and your least favorite character? So two things. One, kind of backtracking on, like, the Luther Allison thing. This is why I think that, and this could be taboo, and this could be un, an unpopular opinion, but this is why I feel like the two of them need each other. I don't care what capacity it is. I feel like the two of them level each other out and that Luther really wouldn't need a mission in life anymore if Allison could just stay grounded with him. Um, but we don't have to go over that right now. My second thing is, are we picking favorites in just the siblings or the show itself? No, I want you to open it up to the to the show itself. Kelly, if that changes yours, please let me know. Um, but it's within the whole show itself. Uh, that okay. was your favorite or your least favorite. So I have two favorites. I have to pick two favorites. Um, obviously, Klaus, I love him. Not to be dramatic, but he is just like this gorgeous trash baby. Like, I love him because it's, it's as you said, he's the most functioning drug addict ever. But it's like no matter what he's going through, it's like he's, He's so, like, overlooked and underrated within the family. They all expect him to not be the reliable one, but he is there. And there's so many beautiful scenes, like, when he's in the afterlife speaking with his father and the father shaving him, and he's just like, oh, Dad, look what you did, you know? Or even when he's, you know, looking at the the ashes from his father saying, you know, look look at your family now. I mean, it's just so gorgeous and beautiful and tragic. And then he is just, I, I love the scene. My favorite scene is when he goes with number five to the, like, eyeball doctor. And he's like, how dare you give my son a swollen lip? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? And he literally punches five in the face. And then smashes a, and then smashes a snow globe into his head just to like be like look and it reminded me if any of you guys have seen Fight Club when he starts beating the shit out of himself just to make it seem like the boss had done it instead. So I really like that. And just Klaus in general, Kelly said it perfectly, everything about how amazing he is. But my second favorite character, who I didn't expect to be a favorite character. I love Hazel. Oh, my God. My poor man just wanted to live a simple life with that old lady and eat donuts and watch birds. I mean, I there was something about him. Every time he was on screen, I was like, oh, my God, there's Hazel. He needs to, like, just have his good life. He Again, he just wanted to eat donuts. And his, um like, partnership with Cha-Cha was, I think, something that's a little underrated in the show and how he really just didn't want to do his job anymore. He wanted to just be him and not be this tool for the the, the commission or anything like that. So I, I really like Hazel in that capacity. As far as my least favorite character, at first it kind of was Diego, not for nothing. But he redeemed himself. So I just hated the fact that, Every single time Vanya was around, he was like, why is she here? She doesn't deserve to be here. 
she's not one of us. And it's like, dude, like, chill out, you know? It's not her fault. First of all, it's not her fault if she didn't have powers, and it's especially not her fault after everything we found out. Um, but then he, he really redeemed himself, I think, that it's okay to have these problematic problematic characters that aren't just 100% likable because not every human being is, and people have bad traits and they need to work through them. So I then decided, then I started kind of liking him more. But I hated Leonard. I called that shit from, like, early on. I was like, there's something wrong with this guy. He's way too interested. He's way too, like, invested in this shit. And from, like, day one, I didn't like him. Every time he, like, came on screen, I was like, ugh, like, go away. And really, when you just find out that he is kind of, like, the catalyst in all of this, and I really thought he was going to be the one, but then you find out it was Tanya who was the one who fucked everything up, um, but it was all, like, Leonard's fault, really, um, so I didn't like him. Leonard definitely was the least favorite. Yeah, and I, I will say, as you were talking about uh, Cha-Cha and Hazel, um, their storyline, I got a very Looper vibe um, in the sense of kind of once you find that special someone, you kind of just don't want to do the work that kind of makes you have to kill people every day. Like it kind of make it kind of brings things into proper perspective to where you're kind of like, nah, I think I just would rather stay here and you know just be in love with with her over here, watch some birds, eat some donuts. Like, kind of sounds like the perfect life. And then you have yeah. your other half that's kind of like, nah, nah, I'm miserable. So I'm gonna definitely make sure you're miserable. Um, so <laughs> Cha Cha was just like, and I want to also say. Uh, huge congrats to Mary J. Blige purely yeah. from the standpoint of when I saw she was originally cast in this, I didn't really know what to think. I haven't really seen much of Mary J. Blige as an actress. I love her as a singer. I um, completely love her, but I've never seen her really take on roles like this. So when I first saw it, I was just like, Ugh, I'm going to have to see how, how it pans out. And she was amazing. Like I, She was a badass. A badass. She was. She was, and as I watched the season, as the season progressed, I kind of forgot that she was a singer. Like, I kind of was really buying into her being an actress. I'm not saying that she's not. I'm just saying, you know, if someone had told you a year ago, like, Mary J. Bob would be doing this, you'd kind of be like, eh. Um, but she was amazing. She was great. They did really, really, really uh, good job writing her character. Um, and it's funny because it's like, as, as much as the story was catering for you to kind of feel sorry for Hazel, um, a part of it's kind of just like you kind of feel sorry for, for Cha-Cha. Like, picture you've been working with someone for it seems like eons, like not just like a few years. It seems like forever they've been working together. And then it's kind of just like someone you've considered like a best friend is just kind of like, yep, so the thing we've kind of been doing together every day for forever yeah, I'm kind of done doing that. I don't even really want to see you anymore. I kind of just want to go be happy and, like, go leave. You kind of be like, you know, I'm happy for you, but mm, I'm going to probably see if I can sabotage this. Like, that sucks that that you're leaving me. Um, so it was just kind of funny to, to see how they were going the route of, uh, I, I want to say jealousy in the sense of the happiness he had found. Um it didn't seem like she could find it. Uh, so instead of, like, her just going, you know what, let's both walk away, 
take our chances. She's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to make enemies with, I'm calling them the Time Bureau. That's not what they're called, I don't think, but that's what I'm calling them. I've heard that name somewhere before. They're um, called the Commission. The Commission, thank you. See, this is why I, I love you guys. The Commission. Um, I, it, it's just so weird. Speaking of the Commission, I thought that was possibly the weirdest thing of the entire show, um, mainly because it was like, how do you choose? Like, you started seeing, like, I think it was the Hindenburg. Like, you know, they were, you know, making sure that things like that still happened. But it's like, if the world is gone, where do they exist to where they're not affected? is the biggest question that I had. Like, are they within space and time? or Right. Like, I and were they established? I'm, I hope they answer that in, in the second season because it just seems like, okay, if we have this uh, apocalyptic future, where would you come into the equation? Right, because it's like, all right, obviously you saw um, one of the workers ask number five, like, hey, like, you know, it's almost lunchtime. Did you want to come eat lunch with us? So it's like, if they brought lunch, that means they live somewhere that's not inside that building. So it's like, where are you? Where are you, and how do you find these people that you have either worked for you, uh, creating um, or, or making sure that historical events stay, uh, you know, stay within history, or the assassins? Like, you have to pluck these people from actual existence. So once you pluck them from existence, are they now non-existent? Like, it was so weird, and I don't really think they fully explained it. And I'm glad you, you chimed in, Kelly, because I'm like, I really didn't want to come on here and be like, oh, no, it made no sense. And then you guys were like, uh, it does. They explained it and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, man, I missed it. Like, maybe I watched it too fast. Um, but, yeah, they, they didn't really explain it. Um, and it kind of just seems like if the world were to end, they'd be part of it. But, like, they were so okay with it. So it's like, it was just weird to me. Kelly, I'm going to kind of go to you because you were kind of touching on it a little bit. Um, you were kind of sharing the same sentiment to where it was weird, but it's like, what would you lean more towards, that they were part of a different consciousness or they were part of the world ending and they were okay with it because their job is to make sure that these events still happen? I'm torn. I have a lot of theories. So I think right now they exist. Tia, you'll probably know this better than me, but don't they exist right now? Like their headquarters is back in like the 50s or 60s, something like that? Yeah, it, it's part of like the 50s. So that's kind of where they live. But I don't want to take time away from you, Kelly, but really quick, I was going to say, you know, they keep talking about like their great pensions and health insurance, and then you can pick what time you want to retire in. But what if someone's like, well, I want to retire in the 1600s. I mean, what does their pension have anything to do with that? <laughs> Very true. And part of my theory was that they come from a very far away future. I don't necessarily think it's a different realm or like an alternate reality. I think that, um, like you said, everything that they change, every timeline, it ripples out into multiple timelines that they now need to monitor to make sure things are on track. Um, and I think they might have come from the future and then events as they went through and rippled time changed and brought about this, you know, apocalyptic ending that we were faced with. So 
that's the theory I'm going on right now. Um, but it wasn't explained, and I and that was one of my biggest problems with it because I thought that was such an interesting aspect, and I wish they touched more upon it. So I'm hoping maybe in season two we learn more about how it was formed, where did they come from, why did they choose the 50s or 60s, wherever they are now for their home base. Um, Because you would just think the resources available in that time frame to them, I mean, they would have had to bring all their their technology along with them to be able to really optimally operate during that time. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Sia. Well, and so they have, like, obviously advanced technology to be able to do what they did, but they were working on typewriters. So it was, like, really confusing because they have advanced technology to obviously time travel and shit, but because it's supposed to be the 1950s, they're also working on typewriters. And, yeah, like, no, that was extending notes through jars like where you would think they would have like a communication device or something more high tech so there was such a weird dichotomy between they have this time travel technology but then they're also using a lot of old world tactics for communication so it was very it was very uh you know confusing to go back and forth between what they were capable of and what either they were capable of and weren't showing and just found what worked for them in the most efficient manner, or they have some things and don't have others. We don't really know. I think it, 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 you know, hearing both of you kind of, kind of go back and forth. I think the idea of the commission is based in the past purely because I was thinking like when I was asking like, were they just okay? Like with the world ending, even if they went with it, they wouldn't have been affected, and here's why. Remember the deal number five made when he went uh, back to the commission to get an office job? He told them, um, you know, if I come back, you have to make sure my family is safe. And she was like, all of them? And he's like, all of them. So if she were to uphold that end of the deal, that means the family would have to have gone somewhere. Um for them not to be affected by the end of the world. So, I mean, again, the events didn't go that way. Obviously, they screwed each other over. But um, if, like like I said, if she were going to hold her end of the deal, they had to, they would have had to have gone somewhere. So, I mean, a lot of this, that's why I was telling Joel the other day, I hate aspects of time travel because it's like, it, it somewhat makes sense with the idea of like the, the plain logic of it, like, oh, a guy just goes back in time, changes events. But then when you dig deep into, like, all right, well, the events of right now, like, if you're in the past and then you're coming to right now to change it, does that mean, like, it won't actually be altered at all? It's just, oh, I hate thinking of time travel. Right, <laughs> <laughs> hey, so that brings back, like, the 12 monkeys aspect where they're going back to try to fix things in time, but the idea is that that already happened. Like, they think they're going back, but in the timeline, you already went back and every all of this happened. So, like, to wrap your head around it <laughs> is so complex. I hate it so much. I've actually never – I've seen maybe one episode of, of 12 Monkeys, um, but I get the point you're making because the idea of what they're trying to do is somewhat, very loosely, along the lines of 
what the Flash does when he time travels. Um, and it's just always a headache. It's just always, always, always a headache. Uh, well, it's especially, um, it's especially a headache in the show The Flash because literally he's gone back to the past a thousand freaking times, and every season is a different freaking timeline. So there is uh, no shame in being 100% confused, confused when it comes to CW's The Flash. Just putting it oh, out yeah. there. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Well, it, it also brings up the theory that you, when you go back in time and you create a new reality, that those realities actually ripple off from each other, and you can think of them as, like, lines on a composition page. Like, now you have 10 alternate futures that can come from one decision. So if you go by that idea, like, are they monitoring 10 different op- outcomes that can come from this one person's decision? I mean, it could go on and on. My head hurts. Right, and and speaking of time travel, let's kind of dig a little deep into the aspects of time travel from this show. Um, we got the scene, uh, I can't remember the exact episode, maybe you guys can help me with that, where you see Luthor and Allison kind of coming together again dancing uh, in this season, um, dancing together and kind of having a moment uh, together. Um, but then we see when number five went back in time, that was completely erased. So instead of them coming together, kind of telling each other about things, she went off to go uh, find her, you know, her daughter. Luther stayed home. Uh, and it changed the events of how everyone received certain bits of information. Um, so I kind of want to go to you first, uh, Tia. Kind of dig into when... Uh, five went back in time, and it kind of rippled in the sense of it seemed like if he had not went back, things kind of would have been better in the idea of possibly bringing them all together sooner. Um, But, I mean, maybe I'm foggy on remembering that, but I do know it did change the outcome of how Luther and Allison specifically uh, were interacting with each other. So, first of all, and I was telling this to Kelly, I was heartbroken that that reality was uh, erased because I love the dance scene. That was just amazing. But if you think about it, some things did stay, uh, stay the same once he went back. Luthor still found out about the fact that his father never even opened up the studies that he had collected from his time on the moon. Um, Klaus still wanted to, you know, be tied up uh, to, you know, go through the withdrawal process. It was just with a different person. So little things did stay the same. I'm wondering, with five going back, if he hadn't gone back, okay, so in the reality where Luthor and Allison are having the dance, they're together at this point, right? But then five goes back and then, Allison goes in search of her daughter, would Allison still have gotten, and this is like major spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched it, but would Allison have gotten her throat sliced if Five hadn't gone back? Would that have happened Well, um, if Five would have just, you know, stayed where he was? Well, no, it wouldn't have, because if you remember um, – Goodness, I hate how I keep forgetting names. What was Ellen Page's character's name? Vanya, sorry. Vanya, because remember, in that same uh, that same scenario that you're referring to, Vanya found the book 
that uh, that guy had stolen from um, from her dad. Right, so underneath the, question, the bed. Right. So right. the event of Allison being with Vanya, for Vanya to even cut her throat, wouldn't have happened because Vanya would have found out about him a whole lot sooner. So mm-hmm. that wouldn't have even happened. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, but that, that's the thing about changing time. Time has a way of making sure certain events are definitive to, to happening. Like, there, however you slice it, like, for example, in The Flash, Diggle was always meant to have a, a child. So no matter what Flash did going through time, time changing, he was always going to have a kid. Now, the one thing that changed was from a girl to a boy. But he was always going to have a kid. So that was the constant. So the idea of Vanya finding out about her boyfriend's true intention, that was the constant. That was always going to happen. It was just now when it happened, how it happened, where it happened, all those aspects are what change. But the constant is that she was always going to find out. Um, so that that's the one thing about time travel that I'm pretty – pretty good on like that's the only thing that I'm pretty good on that there are constants um, but around the constants are variables and those variables are always uh, destined to change but the constant is what always remains the same so that's what I took from that moment Uh, Allison would have been okay her throat wouldn't have been slit she would have still been able to talk Um, but uh, Vanya finding out that her boyfriend was pretty much uh, a, a scumbag was the constant but maybe it that was what was needed because in the reality where Allison didn't get her throat cut, Diego had tied Klaus up right so that he could go through the withdrawal process. In the reality where Five goes back, um, obviously Luther finds out. Luther does not tie Klaus up. Luther then goes to the rave, gets all crazy and shit like that. Klaus goes out and finds him. He gets all crazy, and that's when he, quote-unquote, dies and has that conversation with his father, who then reveals that, dun-dun-dun, he kills himself in order to get the family together. So maybe that was the reality that was needed so that Klaus could find out that information. But what's confusing about that is when he was tied to the chair, that could have been, excuse me, that could have been something he came to there also. Um, it just never played out. Uh, we never got a chance to see it play out because time had changed. Um, so who knows? But that's, that's what's so confusing is that it's trying to find the exact constant within everything. Uh, the most stressful thing about this show. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, you could absolutely be right. Excuse me. Because we know that the constant was Vanya being – unlocking her powers to destroy the world. That was the constant. We, we know definitively that was the constant. Nothing was going to change that. Um, but I do think something might have altered it. Her finding out that what's-his-name was, um, was, was possibly using her, it could have still unlocked her to using her powers uh, by her getting angry um, by being betrayed. So she still could have turned into, like, this mass weapon that way. But mm-hmm. her connection to her family would have been stronger because they would have went went about trying to get through to her in a different way. 
Um, because now Allison can talk. Allison can tell her, like, look, like, you got to calm down. You know, you got to relax. This is what happens. People use people. Um, and they could have maybe tried to get it, get through to her in a different way. But who knows? It seems like Vanya ending the world was the constant. So there was nothing that was going to change it, um, which is super unfortunate because it's like the whole point of time traveling in this season was to change it, but it seems like it's such a constant. There is nothing that can stop her from actually destroying everything. Um, excuse me, Tia, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? If not, I was going to see if Kelly had uh, anything else to add before we moved on. Uh, nope. We can shoot over to Kelly. Kelly? I'm good. We'll move into the next topic. All right. So, we are going to, to talk about somebody I don't think um, we have to debate about us all really not liking, um, and that is the one person that um, I'm sure we all felt like should have died, like maybe like the first 10 minutes of meeting him, but that's Leonard Peabody. Um, <laughs> and this character was super interesting to me purely because you guys know who he reminded me of? Like, he gave me, I think the character was almost exactly based off of. Um, if you guys remember, the plot of this was somewhat similar to the plot of the first Incredibles. Remember, the mastermind behind, you know, getting the superheroes outlawed and everything like that was the guy who wanted to be a superhero but couldn't. Like, he didn't have any powers. Um, when, when he met Mr. Incredible, his hero, he kind of felt like he, he shunned him away. Same way that Peabody felt as though um, their dad shunned, them away, shunned him away. Uh, and it drove him to becoming a villain. Uh, like, he seemed as though he had dedicated his life to building up to doing exactly what he did, which was tearing apart um, the Umbrella Academy. So I immediately got that vibe once I started to see, like, this guy is sketchy, like really, really sketchy. Um, it was really interesting because it was like, wow. Uh, it, it just, it, you, you kind of compare the two of those characters. Um, excuse me, Kelly, I'm going to go to you first. What were your thoughts all season once you first saw Leonard Peabody up until uh, the obvious death of Leonard Peabody? Well, what were your <laughs> thoughts about the character? And did you see it coming that he would be the cause of everything, or did it catch you off guard like it did me? So, one, um, uh, it's tough because he had a a crappy childhood upbringing on top of the fact that he was basically, um, you know, shunned and uh, not having the powers and not being part of this team that he wanted. But I think, I, more importantly, I did see it coming from his first meeting with Vanya. Um, he just came off as incredibly sketchy. I mean, there's no denying that. And I, and I even think, to be honest, Vanya's um, whole role in it, I thought, was something I saw happening. I knew she wasn't just going to be, I mean, this, this miracle happened, right? 47 babies born on the same day, all with special powers. They said that from the start. So I knew there was something about her that we just weren't seeing. And obviously that was repressed and, and it hurt them in the long term. But I feel 
like the same with Leonard, like he was sketchy right from the start. I mean, it, it was only episode one or two where he was already stealing her medication in, in her apartment. So um, I definitely thought that he was going to be the bad guy throughout the show. It's it's crazy because <laughs> I misses these um you know these these plot points where it's like Juwan it's so obvious like look at that I thought maybe he was trying to obviously before they they made it clear what his intentions were um even from uh you know him being a child I thought maybe he was trying to get close to the Umbrella Academy um in the sense of not necessarily like breaking them down but like he was an ultimate fan um you know, like a stalker kind of thing. Like, I, I didn't think, like, oh, this is the guy that's going to be responsible for the end of the world. I didn't see that coming. But, yeah, I thought it was really weird when he stole the medication. Um, but then I started to think, like, as time went by, like, maybe he knows something about her that she doesn't know, and he's trying to, like, drag it out. Like, I thought one thing that I did catch on to very early was when she had stressed how important those pills were to her. I was kind of just like, hmm seems like these pills have, you know, like, mean more to the story than just, like, oh, she has to take them. Uh, so I was like, maybe there's going to be a point where she doesn't have it, she freaks out, and, like, something happens. Um, but like I said before, I, I won't lie to you guys. I thought she was maybe just a master strategist of some kind. Um, I didn't see powers coming, especially the whole Jean Grey Phoenix kind of powers that <laughs> that she was able to uh, – to use. I didn't see that coming, like, whatsoever. Um, but it, it completely caught me off guard. Uh, Tia, I'll go to you. Uh, Mr. Peabody, what were your thoughts, and, and did any of his skeeviness catch you off guard, or were you kind of like, nah, I saw it coming? Um, first of all, the actor kind of reminds me of one of the main characters in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, who also is, like, an incredibly sketchy dude. So, like, for some reason, the, like, physical appearance automatically, like, threw me off. And once he stole the pills, well, first of all, once he was in her apartment and Allison is like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, she forgot her keys. You know, I had to use the bathroom. And I'm like, you're really giving me off some, like, weird vibes right now. And it, it, I always, like, had this, like, why is he so invested? First of all, does anyone get the vibe when they're walking down the street after uh, Vanya's confronted her family and everything starts kind of twisting? Did anyone get a vibe from Inception? Because that's the same exact shit that started happening and Ellen Page was in it. So that's immediately what it reminded me of. But um, really, I was like, once they did the flashback of him as a kid, and how he was then turned down by the father because he didn't have powers, he wasn't special or anything like that. But seriously, once they said that he was going to have to get a prosthetic eye, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is the tool. This connects everything together. But I didn't really see it coming that she was going to kill him. That that did that did throw me for a loop, honestly, just because I really thought that he was going to be the mastermind behind it. But it really then turned out to be this sort of Jean Grey, because if we remember, then Jean Grey kills Professor X. 
Um, not that necessarily he's her Professor X, if anything, the father is, but then she ends up killing him and then is at this point now doesn't really have a handler of her own. Now she's just out there. But I was getting major creep vibes from him from essentially day one. I didn't think they were cute or anything. I was seeing, like, online as people were watching, like, oh, their relationship's so cute. I'm like, no, something's wrong with this guy, which then almost makes you feel bad because it's like, here's Vanya. Her whole life is kind of being told that she's just ordinary. She's not special. She's overlooked compared to her superpowered brothers and sisters. So it's like, oh, this poor girl can't be happy because obviously someone has to have an ulterior motive to be with her. Yeah. My biggest thing about Peabody that I was slightly, very slightly disappointed by is I thought they missed the chance to have him as the main villain, um, have him have some, whether he was mixing stuff or trying to put together something to give himself abilities. Um, you know, he does it to obviously stop him. He does something that, you know, kind of sets the the, the earth into kind of going into, um, you know, the, uh, you know, extinction or whatever. Um, and then have the show end with Vanya unlocking her powers. Um, and then, like, you remember the eyes that she had, like, towards the end to where it looked like she was just, like, crazy, like a crazy villain or some sort? You have it to where she has, like, her eyes closed. Like, she's, she's saying, like, this can't be, this can't be. Then she kind of embraces it. She opens it. Then you see, like, those crazy eyes, and then it kind of sets up season two. Only because it's like, I know nothing about, first of all, to our viewers who are not familiar with the Umbrella Academy, like I wasn't, this is a comic, I believe, from Dark Horse. Um, so this is a comic with an extensive background. I do know one of the, the main villains that they fought in the comics, believe it or not, was like this huge Abraham Lincoln statue. Um, it was like super weird. Um that I'm pretty sure would be a sick visual for season two, just throwing that out there. But um, I, I just feel like you played your hand too quickly uh, in the sense of Vanya is someone who would have been a great villain for season two because no one would have really saw it coming. Uh, and again, you didn't really see it coming now, but it was a waste of Peabody because I felt like the buildup to Peabody was just like, no, 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 he just kind of would initiate her to being the, destroyer of earth um i just it was weird also one of my biggest issues we can kind of transition here with um vanya was they didn't make it clear what her powers were like when we first saw her use it as as tia stated we saw very inception like she was able to bend like street uh lampposts and then she was able to like stop the rain and then at the end she's now shooting beams from like her violin so it was it was really weird what exactly her powers are because I felt like they didn't focus on it. Uh, so, Tia, I'm going to go right back to you. Um, what were your thoughts on Vanya and her power set, and did it kind of confuse you because they didn't really state what her exact powers are? Or maybe they did and I missed it. Um, you know, I, I wasn't really bothered by it. Again, I was really associating it with Jean Grey, and we've seen – the capabilities that she has and the extreme level of manipulation and powers that she has. And so I assumed that they were sort of just putting that on Vanya. Um, And I also think that 
she's been taking these pills, right, for her whole entire life, repressing her, yada, yada, yada. So now at this point it is all manifesting and all going haywire. I think it is just like energy that is set to explode within her and it's just releasing out. If she had these powers at a young age and it was kind of then nursed and really taught and along with a very nurturing maybe environment and being shown love from her siblings, I think that we wouldn't see as her as crazy as she was, but I really think that it was just accumulation of super, super powerful and also just having been locked away and repressed for so long. It's just exploding at this point. Yeah, I, I will say the one slight difference between Jean and, um, and, and Vanya is we knew Jean's powers were of purely um, manipulation, so where she could read minds, control minds, control, um, you know, uh, living things. Like, her power set is is amplified uh, when she becomes a phoenix. Like, it intensifies. It, it's, like, amped up times two. I kind of felt like with Vanya, the whole thing with the violin and being able to use it as, like, a um, – can't think of the term I'm trying to think of. Uh, but I kind of felt like I thought her power would have been able to – be quite like what Jean's was in the sense of you don't really need a conductor. Um, you are what amplifies your powers um, rather than something. I mean, it was a cute way to bring back in the idea that she was this amazing uh, uh, violin player. But it was just like, it was, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm overthinking it. And if Joel was on the show, he would tell me I'm overthinking it. Um, <laughs> I just kind of felt like it was, it was weird. And if they had just stuck with well, the idea of manipulation, um, I thought that would have been just a, a lot cooler. Well, the violin was important because if, so we've been talking about how she's ordinary and the father, I, you know, like this, this and that, whatever. But remember the love of his life died and she had a violin who that he took with her, took with him. And when Vanya expressed interest, he said, yes, take it. And you could almost see him smiling a little. So the violin was significant in the point that this was the one item that made her quote unquote extraordinary. And it was the one item that the father actually um, encouraged her to use so that she could almost be almost become extraordinary in her own sense. That's a really good point. I didn't see it like that. That's actually a really, really, really good point. Um, yeah, I mean, no, it, it does. That does make sense. Like a lot of things. Um, and I completely forgot that scene, but I'm picturing it in my head now. And yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, Kelly, I'll go to you. What, what were kind of your thoughts on Vanya's power set um, and then just her character, period, leading up from someone who just wanted to be accepted? Um, and also I wanted to ask you, because I didn't want to forget to throw this joke in there, did no one else kind of feel a you vibe when uh, Peabody killed the, uh, <laughs> the lead chair for Vanya? I was just kind of like, am I watching you? Like, what is what is, what is going on here? Seriously, um, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it was very like, vibes. I was like, which show am I watching right now? But um, but yeah, Kelly, what were your thoughts on Vanya and then her power set? 
Yeah, well, piggybacking a little bit off what Tia said, I think the violin also was, uh, for lack of better comparison, her metronome, her that thing that centered her and brought her to a place of calmness, which allowed her to push forth her energy and her powers because, as you saw, she needed some kind of white noise or some kind of noise to concentrate on that helped bring about her powers um and i think you know i think her siblings got it towards the end because they said there is you know they were saying i'm paraphrasing but there you know there is something redeemable here we do have we do have the capability of restoring her it doesn't have to be to this catastrophic level we just need to go back and give her the proper upbringing so i'm curious if that's kind of going to be what they do at season two to try to um, train her properly, not lock her in a room um, or give her pills that is only going to repress such building, building emotion um, that ultimately just blows up and releases all this power. Um, So I think that the main point is her being able to control it she needs to go back and start over and she needs to get the proper kind of training that everyone else got to hone in on her pe- their powers. And she might be stronger and more powerful and have a power that's harder to understand and manipulate. But um, I think with the proper tools and with love and acceptance and brought into this family of, you know, superheroes for lack of a better word, um, is what's going to help her be able to hone in on those powers and not let them go out of control. See, I, I only slightly disagree with you on, on that point, Kelly, only from a sense of they didn't really need to go that far back. I mean, if you remember, when Luther put her in that cage, she was very remorseful. That was your time. That was your chance to bring her in, hold her, hug her, and let her know, like, everything's going to be okay. We didn't know. Uh, you know, we apologize. I know we can't fix the past, you know, even though you kind of can. But we can't fix the past. Let's start over right now. Let's be the family we were always supposed to be. Um, because that was her most vulnerable moment was when she was locked in the cage that she had been afraid to be locked in again. Um, right. And and you had that moment where Allison was saying, you got to let her out. Like, you can't trap her in there. You have to let her out. Um, that was your chance to alter the events of the end of the world, I believe. I think if you take her out, you let her explain, you let Allison say that she forgives her, um, you could start over in that moment right there. Um, but instead, you had the quote-unquote leader who thought he was leading uh, that was the second time Luther had messed something up um, that Allison could have fixed. The first time when uh, he locked her in a cage, Allison, if, you know, Luther had let her free, Allison could have fixed it then. And then at the recital, where you see Allison walking up to her smiling, you saw Vanya accepting that. She was glad to see her. She was glad to see she was okay. Um, and she was kind of becoming vulnerable. And then you see Luther kind of run in, and then everything changes. Vanya snaps back into a psychopath, and then obviously the rest is history. But I believe you didn't have to go back to childhood. You could just go back to the moment where 
everything changed. Whether it's when she, uh, whether it's when Vanya had slit Allison's throat, or right when she was locked in that cage, you letting her out could completely alter things in that very moment. I'll go back to you, Kelly. What do you think about that? Do you think that could have been a more reasonable alternative rather than going all the way back to um, to their childhood? I would like to think so, but I think even if they made the right decisions in those moments, I think her powers at that point were beyond her control, and any little thing forward from there could have set her off to a point that her siblings, you know, couldn't derail what was coming. So I think there's just too much trauma and built up emotions from her childhood of how she was treated that they gave her the most love and affection now and accepted her and tried to help train her. Her powers have grown. They've been repressed all this time and they've grown over time so much that they're almost at a level that's uncontrollable at this point. And I think the best way for her to get a grip on them and even for them to all almost rewrite their past and their history and include her and, and, bring different circumstances out in the future is to just go back and do it over. That's fair enough. I, I just see it in the sense of uh, anger is what fueled her um, to obviously bringing upon the apocalypse. And I think if in that moment you consoled her, uh, because again, she was remorseful. She was saying she was sorry. She just wanted to tell Allison how sorry she was. She just wanted her siblings to know it was an accident. I think if you embrace her in that moment, um, even if her powers do go un- out of control, it's not from a standpoint of anger. And maybe she could possibly get a better grip on it. Um, but once you're angry, I mean, we all know this as people without superpowers. Once you're angry, you're not really thinking of ways to not be angry. Uh, you're thinking of ways to deal with that anger, uh, whether that's letting it out or, you know, talking to someone or something like that. So whenever you see someone act from a standpoint of anger, first thing you want to do is de-escalate it. Um, and I think that's what Allison was trying to do at the recital by walking up to her, calming her. Um, it, it almost looked like she was going to have a Black Widow Incredible Hulk moment. So we're like, sun's getting real low, Vanya, <laughs> like, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, Tia, I ask you the same thing. What, what do you think would have been – a better way to kind of reel Vanya in, going back in time and, and addressing it from her childhood, which makes complete sense. I want I want to make sure I'm, I'm being clear about that, Kelly. It makes complete sense. I, I completely agree with you in the sense of, excuse me, of um, it's the easiest way. I just think the quickest way would have been to see what you could have done in the moment um, when she was vulnerable the most. Uh, and seems susceptible to being talked down. Um, but, Tia, what do you think is would have been the better route, the route that it seems like they're taking for season two, which is going back in time? Um, or would you have tried to de-escalate it from when Luther put her in the, uh, in the box? I feel like it could go both ways. Honestly, when Luther put her in the box, that was the – Obviously, the wrong decision. I thought Luther was going to try and kill her, to be honest with you. When he started squeezing, I was like, oh, my God, he's going to kill her, like, right now. But they should have let her out and then somehow tried to uh, 
calm her down, speak about it. She was obviously remorseful. They could have maybe helped in that sense, maybe explained to her that we need to do certain things in order to reel you in. But at then after that, at that point in the concert, I feel like it was too late and that the only chance that they're really going to have is to go back in time. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But what I want to remind everyone is, remember how uh, number five said, your consciousness is what is what travels through time, but your body will will change depending on where you go. Like if you go too far into the future, it'll age. You go too far in the past, you know, you'll you'll go down in age. So I'm curious to see that if season two starts with them being young. That's just kind of what they look like as they were going through the events of traveling through time. But when they get there, will they be their, um, their, you know, their older selves? Because I'm trying to picture in my mind, what's the best way to convince their father that Vanya should be, uh, should be trained? Is it, you know, coming to them as adults from the future? Where you can kind of go, no, 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 look, we know all this, blah, 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 blah. Or are you going to muddy things by having two sets of kids? Because there will be kids that already exist in that timeline uh, that are already in the Umbrella Academy. And then you have the kids coming from the future. Um, so it, 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 it's super weird. It's super weird. I don't know how they're really going to play it out. Um, but I am curious because if they don't come back as adults, how long do we see them as kids before, you know, they, they convert back to being adults? Um but the point you made, Kelly, about time travel and going back in time, I agree with the principle of it because, like I was saying before, I believe uh, their father and um, – what, uh, what is the monkey's name? Goodness gracious. Pogo. Uh, Pogo. 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 <laughs> there we go. Like Pogo stick. Okay, there we go. Um, I believe we will see those characters come back a little somewhat full time um, to where either they travel with them to try to figure things out for the future, or a lot of season two takes place in the past. Um, either way, it, it makes complete sense, um, and it'll be really interesting to see kind of how they go about it and kind of how they fix things to come back to the future. But that's what that's what's funny to me about this show. Like, I really have no idea about any of the you know really any of their villains. Like, where do they go in season three? Like, who could be the big bad in season two? I, you got me. <laughs> I guess I'll find out when um, we get more information about season two. But um, there's one character I kind of wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about, a little bit more than we than we kind of did, and that's Diego, someone who I saw played a pivotal part in this story, uh, along with his ups and his downs. Um, Kelly, I'll start with you. Uh, how important did you feel Diego was to this story, or do you think he was a cog in the wheel, or do you think he was more supposed to be a standout? Because a lot of his story um, was the main story of of this uh, of the show, to so where a lot of the plot points that happened in his personal life were you know were part of what was happening in the scheme of things, like him losing uh, his ex girlfriend. Um, him shutting down mom. Like, a lot of things that were super personal to Diego became super personal to the show. 
Um, so how did you feel about Diego? Do you think he was just kind of like whatever? Kelly? Kelly? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. there we go. Now we do. Go ahead. He, he reminds me of Arrow or, like, a lone Avenger. Like, he he spent his entire life basically trying to step out of Luther's shadow. And I think that he carried a lot of deep wounds from that, from feeling like he was always kind of the second. Um, and he was never like that first character and the strongest and um you know i thought that his his storyline brought some depth to the show because the things that he was dealing with were very relatable um from the standpoint of having a sibling you feel you're in the shadow of or even someone you work with you feel you're in the shadow of or losing someone you love and how do you deal with that um, and, and also him trying to sort out in his mind between just purely seeking vengeance. Um, and I just need to kill whoever did this and like realizing if this is the person that I loved and this is the person she was, would she want me to do this? So I think there was actually a lot of complex layers to him that were kind of thrown in there and that's the problem with trying to squeeze everything into a 10 episode season they had to rush along a lot of things but um, I thought there was a lot of depth to his character that I wish did get a little bit more screen time but I think there's a lot there that hopefully they'll explore more in season two because I'd be interested to see where his character from the initial standpoint you're like Eh, who is this guy? Like, okay, running around, he's a little vigilante. Um, but then uh, all these plot lines come in, and you realize that he has so many different things going on his life, on in his life between his family and love interests and all of this kind of stuff. Um, that he definitely deserves to have that played out a little bit more, and us watch kind of the emotional struggle that he's going through, and him even bettering himself through that by ultimately not. Uh, you know, seeking revenge in the end. Yeah, I, I think that the thing I love most about um, about Diego's character was something that the rest of the team I don't think was really cognizant of, and that was his. Um, his I, I don't want to say stutter. Was it a stutter? I guess a stutter, because um, I don't want to say speech impediment. So I guess I'll say stutter. Yeah, I think um, it was a stutter. Uh, a stutter, and I love. And it really, it really hit me hard how his mom uh, helped him through it. So where she would tell him, just picture what you're trying to say. Just picture it. Um, and it really kind of made me emotional towards the end of the show where him as an adult, it started to come out. Um, and he had to remember. Uh, no, I believe she told him. She told him, just picture it. Picture what you're trying to say. Um his character, I believe, had so many levels of emotion that helped balance the show. Um, I don't think you really got maybe uh, maybe maybe one other character. But I don't think you got that much emotion from any other character but Diego. He, um, him and I think the guy's name was Klaus, uh, I think was his name. Uh, I think they lost, they kind of suffered the most. Uh, they had the most heartbreak. Uh, they had the most destruction happening. Uh, Klaus obviously losing someone he loved in war when he went back in time. Um, and, you know, Diego losing the uh, the officer that was his ex-girlfriend. 
So I think those two characters and the level of emotion that they went through helped balance the show. Because I think without that, I think the show kind of falls flat in the sense of emotion. Uh, maybe if you want to add in what um, Hazel went through, but that's about it. Uh, Tia, I, I kind of want to see, see how you feel about uh, Diego. Um, well, as I said earlier in the show, he kind of really was at the lower end of the totem pole when it came to my opinions of all the characters, just because I really disliked how much he was shunning Vanya. Um, but then we learn all these things about him, about his speech, uh, his stutter. I'm so glad you brought that up and how it really was coming back uh in times when he was nervous, even as an adult, we could see that little uh, nervous kid who's just still, even though he's the one who's sitting there going, dad wasn't our dad, you know, this and that, grow up. It's like he is still just as much of a child wanting that love and attention and that comfort. And I really, really, you know, he really grew on me as the, the show went on because I really feel like he needs his family. We've seen him now away from his family and how he's become. He's this vigilante type person, and he's uh, a little a little aggressive and all that stuff. And But with his family, he's slowly becoming almost a person, if not maybe the person he was before he left and really just harbored all of that resentment as years went on. So he really started to grow on me as as a vital character in the show. Yeah, I, I really love what they were doing with, with his character, and I love the way that he was able to, to throw those knives. It was so dope. I, I thought it was so awesome. Um, I, I want to talk about a character that we have not mentioned um, at all, like completely at all. I almost forgot about his character completely um, until like a few seconds ago, but I want to talk about somebody I hope we get to see a lot more because his power set looks so dope. But I want to talk about Ben. Um, we know Ben was a manifestation of um, what Klaus kept, uh, you know, kind of conjuring up. Um, but, Kelly, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts about Ben? And did you think that was really dope in that bank scene uh, where you kind of see him walk into the room like, he was like, I really don't want to do this, guys. And they're like, come on, go do it. So, like, he walks in the room. You see, like, all the tentacles fly out. He's killing everyone. He comes out, and he's just soaked in blood. Um, what were your thoughts on the character, Ben? I just loved that he was still always there, the group, which really solidified the family aspect of it. So even though not everyone knew he was there all the time, but then it just really came into fruition at the end when – Klaus started to really uh, realize the depth of his powers and harness their capabilities that he was able to project into a point where everyone could see it. And I thought that was a really beautiful moment because that's a sibling everyone lost very young and who, you know, is obviously someone on their minds. There's a monument erected right outside their house of him. And to be able to see that and see him come through and his powers be an asset to them in a time of need, I thought that was really beautiful. And I think we will see more of that, especially as Klaus is able to harness 
his powers more and even of other people we don't know about that he can come through and use in moments or times of need. Um, so I really liked that he was still there and still a part of it. Um, I don't, did they ever touch on how he actually died? No. And I was going to ask you guys that cause I thought it was weird that they didn't. Um, but I do, I, like I said, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume a lot of what they did not show or did not tell us is because they were planning on it in season two. The thing is like this, if they go back in time, we get to see them spend all that time with Ben. Um, right. Whether it's Ben as, as a kid or Ben being the manifestation um, from Klaus, we still get to see a lot of I would like them, if they are going to go all the way back to their childhood, to change the events of, of how Ben died. Like, however he died, stop it so Ben doesn't die. Uh, and don't worry about what the ramifications will be down the line. Um, just kind of alter it. Um, because I, I wanted to see more from that character. Like, I don't know really exactly the the extent of what his powers are, uh, besides the fact that these tentacles come out of his body. Outside of that, kind of lost on exactly what he's able to, you know, what he's supposed to be able to do. Uh, so I'm really hoping that we see a lot more of him in season two because the character seems so cool. Um, but Tia, I'll go to you. What were your thoughts about Ben in season one? You know, I really like that Klaus could uh, see Ben and interact with him. I felt that was incredibly important to have Ben always watching him and really trying to get Klaus to be the best that he can be. I mean, we see at some point Ben really just telling him, like, come on, man, the others need you, blah, blah, blah. I, my, one of my biggest problems with the show is that we didn't know exactly how he was killed, but we know that it was incredibly tragic because several times people ask, well, is it as bad as what happened to Ben? Klaus even asks, or even says, I know that you never wanted to die a horribly violent death at a young age. Um, And really, I would love to see it explored more in the second season. It's like I almost have a theory about what may have killed him, but I'm not sure if it's really plausible. But I almost feel like something happened within his powers that maybe he couldn't control it and almost to the point where he was ripped open or something like that because I I would think that maybe if it was due to someone else that they maybe would have mentioned it or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. But like I said, I feel as though they're building to something. Um, and we could see a lot of Ben in season two, a lot of Pogo uh, in season two also, and a lot more of Mother um, in, in season two. So I'm really hoping we get a lot more of those three characters. I kind of just felt like I didn't get enough. I didn't get enough of, of those characters, uh, and, and I kind of just want more. Um, Kelly, before we move on, I know that we, we, we lost you, but you're back. Did you want to add anything else? No, I'm sorry. I accidentally hung up on you guys. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, you are completely good. I, it, it's funny because uh, when we first started doing these shows, I, when I didn't really know what I was doing, I set the show for uh, 15 minutes thinking I set it for two hours. So in the middle of us talking, it just completely shut off. 
So, yeah, I, I've definitely been there, done that. Uh, but, all right, uh, I want to kind of go into lightning round for, for a few questions. I want to know what you guys' saddest scene was. Uh, Kelly, I'll start with you. What, what was the question? Saddest scene. Like, what scene was the saddest, or moment, saddest moment, rather? Oh, saddest moment. Um, for with Vanya, just going back to her childhood and seeing all the times that we she was shunned before we knew really the whole picture behind it, just always just seeing this one child that was left out. And I think of the moment where they're taking a family photo and she's like, but you forgot about me. And he's like, no, I didn't. Just I think moments like that were like super heart wrenching. Um, and also when I thought the donut lady was going to die, I'm glad that she didn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, don't knock her into the tank, please. I love the donut lady. <laughs> yeah, that donut lady was super sweet. Um, I was really, I was really hoping, uh, Hazel and her could like ride off into the sunset, but you know, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> Tia's saddest moment. I hate that I'm kind of like a shameless like Luther and Allison shipper, but the scene where he finds her with her throat class is incredibly heartbreaking to me because it seems like really they were going to pick up where they left off. I mean, we everyone knows, all right? Yes, it's taboo because they grew up with each other. Tech, you know, brothers and sisters, not brothers and sisters, whatever, but everyone knows these scenes uh, flashbacks of them speaking off with each other. We've seen flashbacks of Vanya walking in on literally them kissing. We everyone knows that they like each other, and um, and you know we've seen all that stuff. Um, and to see that maybe they could have finally had a chance where Luther and Allison could have been together, and almost thinking that Allison was dead then suddenly he's just running in and seeing all the blood and everything and holding her. I was just like, oh, my God, this is so sad. And I felt it was incredibly sad where uh, Klaus is just speaking with his father and you almost think maybe he's going to be permanently dead, the one guy who could really get back to his family and tell them what's up. Yeah, I'll say this. I'll say that was super sad. I was almost crying, almost, but a part of me was like, nah, there's, there's no way they're going to let Allison die. So, like, that part of me that was going to get super emotional, I'm like, nah, there's no way they actually do it. Um, but I will say, me not knowing any of these characters, because, again, I have no idea about the comic material, um, I'm actually going to piggyback off of your your picks here. The saddest moment for me was when she got her throat split, because it was just like, Oh my God! Like, <laughs> did that just happen? Like, did she really just do this? Um, it, it really kind of struck me because I'm like, man, I know she didn't mean to do that. Like, she just wanted to shut her up so she couldn't use her powers, which, by the way, were super dope. The idea of her saying, "I heard a rumor," and then that rumor coming true. All I'm saying is, Tia we would still have Netflix Marvel if me or you had those powers. We'd walk oh, in yeah. Netflix headquarters and we would go, 
I heard a rumor you guys are shooting Daredevil Season 4 and Punisher Season 3. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, let's get started on that. So, like, I'd be very irresponsible with those powers. I'm just putting that out there. Um, Yeah, it was super sad. Um, I'm going to couple that up with when she was saying she started to use her powers on her daughter. Um, I thought that was uh, a really, really, really important piece to Allison's story um, as to why maybe she had stopped using her powers. Um, You know, because sometimes hearing a, you know, hearing a baby, I grew up with with a bunch of cousins and, and siblings and stuff. So it's like hearing a baby cry over and over and over and over and over again and not knowing what, what the baby wants, what to do. You saying, like, oh, my God, stop crying. And then, like, boom, the baby's, like, the baby stopped crying. It's like, whoa, 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 like, what, I could do that? So, like, I, I could picture someone very new at the idea of motherhood having those abilities, um, using them and not realizing, like, you probably should not use your powers on your child. Um, I thought that was really emotional, kind of seeing how, how much it hurt her looking back that she did it. Because um, as you saw the season progress, you saw how much she loved her daughter um, and obviously wasn't trying to do it to, to hurt her in any way. It wasn't in any form of malice. But still, you can't do that to your, <laughs> to your kid. Use your powers on your kid. Um, so I, I'm going to kind of couple those those two as the saddest moments for me, even though I definitely wanted to go Diego as he looked up into the window and saw mom die. Um, that hurt me. That, that really, really, oh, really hurt yeah. me. Oh, um, yeah. Mainly because, like, I remember him, I think he told Klaus, like, get mom, make sure she gets out of the house. And it's like they got out of the house, and then he's like, where's mom? And you look up, and she's just staring at, out the window at Diego and I'm just like, no, he needed her so bad. Like, he lost he lost someone else that was super close to him. Like, he doesn't want to lose mom, and she's gone now. Like, it hurt. It, it really did. Um, so I wanted to go that moment. But seeing Allison get her throat slit and then, you know, the events with her daughter, that kind of resonated with me a lot deeper uh, as far as the importance of the story than the Diego one did. But, that, man, did that hurt. <laughs> that really hurt. Um, Kelly, me and Tia kind of were able to throw in too. Did you have another one you might have wanted to to throw in? Yeah, I agree with every moment you guys just talked about. I was like, oh yeah, that one. Oh yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> and, and also just when she used her powers on her daughter, and her husband came in and and saw it, and realizing that that was the breaking moment in their relationship, I thought that was really heart wrenching too. And didn't yeah. you realize that she, while she was driving to go find her daughter, they had all the echoes of, like, the rumors where it was, like, I heard a rumor that you loved me? Like, has she been just manipulating everyone in her life to kind of go the way that she's wanted it to go? Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's, like, you could say, I mean, because I don't think we actually saw her in in her acting roles. Um, But it's kind of crazy to to think that she might not have needed good at acting. She could kind of just influence people to giving her opportunities or giving her money. Like, she could have went a really bad guy route (laughs) with with her powers. Um, So it takes a strong human being 
not to just walk into a bank and go, I heard a rumor, you just gave me $8 million. Like, I mean, I'm already thinking of just, like, all the craziness I would I would do uh, with those powers. So, all right, well, Javon, you can never have – you could never have powers, all right, because we already can tell that you wouldn't, you would not use them wisely. I'm going to be 100% with you. If powers were real, I should be the one that actually never gets powers. Like, I'm going to put that out there. Don't ever let me get powers, let alone powers like that. Oh, God, it'd be over. Uh, <laughs> I want to go to more of an action sense. Um, favorite action scene, um, or action moment, rather. I'll go. Uh, T, I'll start with you. Uh, I love the bank scene. That was so much fun. That whole entire, just the music that was going, how you got to see all of the kids' different powers. Um, again, Allison, I heard a rumor that you shot your friend in the foot, and all of a sudden, he just shoots his friend in the foot. I love that whole entire scene. That was definitely my favorite action scene of the season. Yeah, no, that was a great scene. That was what I was going to go with, but I'm like, I didn't want to say anything before you two went in case it was one of yours. Um, so I'm glad you said it. So I, I didn't hold my breath for nothing. Um, so it I'm was glad my you said favorite, that. too, but I can point out other ones if you like. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, it's Damn so it, hard because yeah. it's like, it's so hard because it was like that was like the the best one. Like you watch Winter Soldier, the the highway scene was the best sequence. But it's like there were a few others you could have pointed out, but I don't think anyone was better than that that highway sequence. I felt like that with um with this, like that bank scene was just so much fun. Um, but Kelly, I'm gonna go to you. What action moment are you going with? Oh man, Tia. Um... <laughs> I loved action moments. I, anytime they started playing music and people were dancing in between, like killing was awesome in my book. I mean, it was like such a weird dichotomy between I wanted to get up and flail my arms around and then hide my eyes at some like grotesque blood splattering out. Um, I thought one of the cool scenes actually was him um, number five when he was in the department store trying to find his love of his life mannequin um, and just seeing his capabilities um, from that standpoint as he could fend off all these people, you know, bursting in and out and coming up by surprise behind people. And I thought that was a pretty cool scene too. Yeah. It was very uh, reminiscent of the beginning of X-Men too. Uh, we see Nightcrawler popping in and out at the white house. It, it kind of felt like that. Obviously, not as cool because that Nightcrawler scene might be one of the greatest openings to a superhero movie ever. Um, but it did feel like that. Um, I'm going to go with uh, number five at the donut shop. Uh, yeah, where it was just completely out of nowhere. You see these guys storm in. Um, I'm going to call them time troopers. I don't know what they were actually called, but I'm going to call them time troopers. Um, you know, they kind of storm in and they're like, you know, come with me. And he's kind of like, nah, it's not going to happen. He's kind of like, hey, let's do this a nice way so like, I can get home for dinner. And he's like, you're not getting home for dinner. <laughs> and then he just starts ripping through these guys. Uh, number five, I'm sorry, it's so freaking cool. Uh, I'm going to watch can I, all over again tonight. Go ahead, Tia. If I, I just want to throw out an honorable mention scene. It's not a fight scene, but because we're kind of like, you know, getting down to the wire and everything. 
I actually love the scene where Cha-Cha and Hazel are high as hell, and they're dancing in, like, the room with all the freaking fake eyeballs setting it on fire. That's just oh, hilarious to me. <laughs> I love yeah. that scene. Yeah, that is hilarious. Um, all right, so we're we're approaching the, the finish line here. Um, I'm going to go around and get you guys' overall grade for um, or scale, however you want to do it. Um, but what would you give? Grade-wise or letter-wise, season one of the Umbrella Academy. Uh, Kelly, I'll start with you. I would give it an 8 out of 10. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Thea, what would you give it? I have to agree with Kelly. It gets an 8 out of 10. All right, I'm going to go 8.5 because I kind of feel like (laughs) I kind of – no, hold on, hold on. Because I kind of feel like I could I could lean more towards a nine or a ten if I knew the source material more. Because maybe that would clear up a lot of these question marks that we have that we feel as though they didn't really um, answer or even acknowledge. Um, maybe that's a source material thing. Like um, you know, so me not knowing that because that's really the only thing I hold against it. It's like a few things is kind of like, all right, we we don't get what you're trying to do here. Um, I want to say nine so bad, but it's like I got to know what's going on and a few of the things I just don't. So, like, I have to hold that against them. Um, but this was as good as it gets. Uh, and I'll say this. Netflix, it's not done yet. We still have The Witcher with Henry Cavill coming out the end of this year. So as, as, as much as I want to not watch Netflix because we don't have Tomorrow Heroes anymore, they do a really good job with still putting out really good content. Um, so obviously they still draw us back in, uh, and we have to watch you season two. So it's like, I can't leave Netflix yet. Um, oh, they're, but, they're just starting uh production on the second season. I saw on Twitter that they are doing their first read through. So just to let you guys know. Yeah. Penn I'm actually be, with pictures of it. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I would desperately love. I know it's not going to happen. Let me just state that. But I would desperately love a season two of you to air the end of this year. Um, it, it would be just amazing. It would be an amazing uh, way to end the year rather than – because they'd probably release it around this time next year. And I'm like, I don't want to wait that long. Uh, I want it, like, right now because I have too many questions. Um, but, yeah, so we got so much stuff to look forward to. Um I want to thank you both for joining me and breaking down the Umbrella Academy. Uh, this is a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. We got a lot covered. Um, I think we all really, really, really enjoyed this. Um, and we recommend, highly recommend you all to go and watch it. In case you were like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch it, go watch it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kelly or Tia, did you guys have anything else you wanted to say before we close it out? Um, no, I I think um I think I'm oh one last thing really quick uh the the makers of Umbrella Academy just uh stop making it look like there's a fat suit underneath Luther's clothes that's the one thing that bothered me the most about this season. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, cause it when they showed the accident that happened, it just still doesn't make sense that turnout like. 
yeah. whatever he gave them, I guess, made him, like, bigger. So it was really weird, but it's like, when you see what his actual body looked like, it was kind of just like, all right, now you're just like, come on, like, make his body normal. Like, why, why are you making him so weird? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. It just it looked so weird. Um, <laughs> Kelly, did you have any last things you wanted to throw in? I thought that was a perfect way to wrap it up, Tia. We'll end with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we can all agree we are super excited for when we can hear about season two. Um, I'll say there's no way we make it out of next month without hearing that it got renewed at least. Um, I mean, just come on, come on. This show has to be a hit. I've heard nothing but good things. I haven't heard anyone say anything bad about it, any critics or anything. So fingers crossed we can get a season two. Um, but if you guys did not, make sure you check out this week's episode or last week's, however you want to go about it. But last week's episode of Top Ten and last week's episode of Geek Vibes Live, Tia was on both, killing it on both. <laughs> um, so make sure you tune into those. Uh, we have so much in store, and who knows? Maybe the three of us can land some interviews from the cast of the Umbrella Academy and geek out yes. even more with them. And maybe the I cast can clear up some of our questions. That That is what I'm looking forward to the most is for the cast to uh, kind of help shed some light on things that we didn't really necessarily get. Um, so stay tuned for that, guys. We'll be working on that. And that's all I got. So till next time, peace. That's all, folks. Thanks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.